Now, I don't want anyone who may be listening to this to take that the wrong way. out $1.5 billion. That's crazy. I haven't felt like this about a year in movies since 2019. Uh, it's a pretty bad movie. Hello and welcome to Jimmy's Movie Club, a podcast that is an outlet for poor little me to just sit around and talk about movies and movie news and all the crazy little things that I want to talk about. The Oscar nominations were recently announced, and for the most part, I think they're they're pretty solid. I, I really like the amount of love movies like An Anatomy of a Fall and Poor Things and Oppenheimer are are getting. Um, I also really appreciate the amount of love that uh, Barbie's getting. Barbie nominated for eight Academy Awards, which I gotta be honest, w- was more than I was personally expecting. Now, I don't want anyone who may be listening to this to take that the wrong way. I really loved Barbie. Thought it was really great. Summer blockbuster. Absolutely brilliant satire. And also just a great depiction of not just womanhood, but really just the human condition as a whole. I think it had a lot of great things to say about that. I think it had a lot of great things to say about social dynamics. And how challenging our society has made it for so many people throughout the years. And so in all of those ways, I think Barbie's a really, you know, great, strong film. Tag on to that, that, you know, no female written and directed movie has ever done these kind of gangbusters at the box office before. I mean, it's not just a hit. It is a smash hit. It's made a billion and a half dollars on a $100 million budget. If you're not super familiar with the way that budgets work in Hollywood, $100 million is not a massive budget. I mean, it's it's big. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's not like horror movie small. But as far as major summer blockbusters go, it's not... You know, that's that's not a ton of money for something that is then churning out $1.5 billion. That's insane. And it's such a remarkable accomplishment. I, I don't see how the Golden Globe, the new Golden Globe for, you know, cinematic and box office achievement could have gone to anything else. It's clearly, if not the best film of the year, it's definitely the biggest achievement of the year. So, personally, I understand the frustration people have when Oscar nominations are released, and we don't see nominations for Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig snubbed from the director category, Margot Robbie snubbed from the Best 
actress in a leading role category. And then to turn and see that Ryan Gosling as Ken was nominated, I I can see how that's frustrating to a lot of people. You You make a movie about Barbie, centered around Barbie, and you give the nomination to Ken and not Barbie, it it makes sense. The, the outrage feels, you know, whether or not you agree with it, you can, at the very least, you can see where people are coming from. How, after this monumental achievement for women in filmmaking, all of the sudden, we're sticking to rewarding the men. That's that's weird. It's a very weird thing to happen here. Now, while I understand all of that, I do want to make a couple points about the Oscars and their relationship to Barbie, and and specifically their relationship to Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie. Keep this in mind. Barbie is nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Now, I don't really know what it's doing in that category. It's not technically an adapted screenplay. It's definitely an original screenplay. I'm not sure what qualified it for that category other than the fact that it's based on an existing IP. Regardless, it is nominated for Best Screenplay. So, even though Greta Gerwig does not have a directing nomination, she does have a screenwriting nomination, which I think is well-deserved. I think the screenplay is pretty brilliant along with that. Keep in mind, the producer on the movie is Margot Robbie. Best Picture is a producer award. So, no... Margot Robbie's not nominated in the leading actress category, but her film is nominated for Best Picture. That's an award that is a, uh, ascribed to the producer and the director. It, it, that, that award is for Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig. So, yes, it's frustrating that they weren't nominated in the obvious categories, but they are still nominated. They are still receiving Oscar acclaim for the movie. And I, I'm i not saying that to discount people's feelings. I'm simply pointing out that, while that's true, don't forget, they are still nominated. And part of the reason I bring that up is because one thing I've noticed that no one is talking about is the monumental achievement that America Ferreira has had in getting nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Barbie. See, we spend all this time focused on Ryan Gosling versus Margot Robbie getting nominated. I mean, there's even people calling for Ryan Gosling to reject the nomination. That's crazy. I think it's insane for people to even suggest that he do that. That's not, that is not fair. Like, no. That's his nomination. You know, (laughs) yes, you know, it it might be frustrating for some people to see it that way, but it's, it's not, that's not a reasonable ask. 
But it's a little odd to me that we're so up in arms about Margot Robbie not getting the nomination when America Ferreira's right there getting nominated. And if we think back to the movie, the America Ferreira character, that's the character that's proxy for the audience. That's the person we are experiencing humanity and womanhood through. She's the one with the monologue. She's the driving force. I mean, when I think about it that way, a nomination for America Ferreira is the more obvious choice. I guess my point is, if I were in America's shoes, America Ferreira's shoes, I might be a little bit frustrated about this discussion of misogyny in the award system, realizing that I'm right here, I'm getting the nomination, and no one wants to talk about it. They just want to talk about the white woman that didn't get a nomination. And I think that's something we might want to reconsider as a culture when we jump into these kinds of online debates and arguments and, you know, these kinds of uh, discussion topics that happen when we're talking about film, and specifically, in this case, when we're talking about awards. I think I just want to caution people, don't forget, that's America's movie too. And she earned that nomination, and now all the attention has been diverted away from her and onto Margot Robbie. And I think that's kind of sad. Because look, Margot's amazing, Margot is, she's gotten nominated before, she's never won. You know, she's incredible. And she did a really amazing thing making this movie a reality. And she is getting a nomination for doing that. But if we're talking specifically about acting awards, I mean, let's look at the the nominees. I don't know who you take out of this category and replace with Margot Robbie. Emma Stone, poor things, she can't go. Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, she can't go. Annette Bening, Nyad, Carrie Mulligan, Maestro, Sandra Hewler, Anatomy of a Fall. I mean, these all five of these are just remarkable performances. And I don't know, me looking at this, I've seen all of these movies. Maybe the one you could remove is... Annette Benning in Nyad, but even then, I'm not replacing her with Margot Robbie. I'm replacing her with Greta Lee. And you want to talk, I mean, <laughs> people are talking about the lack of nominations for Barbie. Barbie has eight nominations. That's a ton of nominations. You want to talk about snubs. Look at past lives. I mean, yeah, it's 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 weird. It's a little weird to me that Greta didn't get a directing nomination, but but where's where's the nominate? Where is Celine Song's nomination? You know, where's Greta Lee's nomination? Barbie is far from the most snubbed movie at the Oscars. Far from it. The most snubbed movie at this Oscars is Past Lives. If you ask me, Past Lives has been done so dirty. And I mean, it it also has a screenplay nomination. It also has a Best Picture nomination. But uh, I, I believe that's it. I believe Past Lives only has two nominations. It deserves way more than that. Uh, I, I recognize it's a it's a challenging it's a it's a touchy topic, and um, lots of people have very strong feelings about it one way or the other. 
I do feel like we should maybe caution against putting all of our eggs in a basket that is accidentally color-coded in the way that we view it. Because I don't think it's intentional that all the attention is moving away from the Latina actress and onto the white actress who didn't get what everyone wanted her to get. I don't think it's necessarily an intentionally a race thing, but it's hard to not, it's hard to unsee that once you've seen it. So that's my little take on Hollywood news for the week. Um, I will say this. This was such a stacked year for movies, guys. There, there's so many amazing movies that came out that I, I, you know, so many of these Oscars could go any which way. I haven't felt like this about a year in movies since 2019, which was the year of Parasite and Jojo Rabbit and Ford v Ferrari and a host of other Minari, uh, just a host of of really incredible movies. And like finally, in the twenty in twenty twenty three, we have another year like that. I think we finally had time to catch up from COVID, and uh, get all these incredible movies out. So it's a stacked year. It's hard to blame anyone or anything for certain things not getting nominations that we feel like it deserved. Because how do you choose between so many of these great movies? But yeah. That's my that's my take for the week. Um in movie review news this week I watched a couple different uh, I caught up on a couple different movies that I've been meaning to watch for a long time. They both have Oscar nominations uh in them uh and they're both available to watch on Netflix. So the first one is Rustin uh starring Coleman Domingo about Bayard Rustin, uh, who was a civil rights activist who worked a lot with Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Great movie. Great movie. Uh, It's pretty straightforward, uh, but if you're in the mood for, you know, a movie with an upbeat tone, an upbeat pace, and, like, just a really great leading performance, uh, yeah, check out Rustin. It's on Netflix, and it's, uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good. I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. Now, the other one I want to bring up, Nyad. I'm a little baffled at the acclaim this movie's getting. I think this screenplay is... bad? Question mark? It's just, it's such a perplexing movie. So, for context, this is a narrative film about Diana Nyad, who made many, many attempts to swim from Cuba to Florida in open water, without a cage, never been done before. And it's made by the same team that made the documentary Free Solo, which, if you haven't seen, oh my gosh, go check it out. Free Solo is fantastic. And it's kind of in this similar vein of this real person attempting to do incredibly dangerous things. But rather than making a documentary, they made it a narrative film starring Annette Bening and Jodie Foster, who are both nominated for Oscars in this film, mind you. Uh, And I guess I'm just kind of confused 
the screenplay really is is kind of rough. It's very cliche. It's very uh, biopicy, in the sense that uh, there are many times where, because of the writing, the characters don't feel like real people. There's just there's the conflicts come out of nowhere and don't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of forced exposition in the dialogue, and it just it feels very stale uh, in in that sense. Where even even though the performances from Annette Bening and Jodie Foster are good, it's hard. You know, as 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 Brian Cranston uh, once pointed out. If you give me a C script, I can maybe, with a great performance, get that up to a C plus. But there's there's not a lot you can do when you're working with poorly written material. And I just think Nyad is kind of poorly written. Anyway, it has some good directing moments. It has some interesting visuals and some interesting ways that it's building tension through its premise. But... I don't know. I gave it two and a half stars. Wasn't really for me in that sense. Now, another movie I saw, a new Ariana DeBose movie, which is in theaters right now called ISS. Uh, Stands for International Space Station. Uh, The premise of this movie is uh, on the International Space Station where, you know, Russians and Americans work cohesively together. Only place ever, I guess. Uh, a nuclear war breaks out between America and Russia. And each team receives a message from their government to take control of the ISS by any means necessary, at all costs. And so thus begins this suspenseful plot of these two different sides trying to figure out if they can trust each other, if they've betrayed one another, and it's this big thing. Uh, it's a pretty bad movie. It the, the central premise sounds great. It's pretty bad. It's obviously a January dump. And, and so, like, l- let me explain what I mean when I say that. Uh, there are certain times of the year that movies that studios think are going to do well they target those times. It's holidays, Memorial Day, summer weekends, uh, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving. These are really big box office days. And so when studios believe that a movie's going to do very well at the box office, they'll target those days. Likewise, awards season is usually October to November. And, and and not that that's when the awards are taking place. That's when the movies that are... Most of the movies that are going to get nominated for awards get released. Uh, it, it is strategic. Um, if, a, if a studio thinks it's going to do well with awards, they're going to release it there so it's fresh in people's minds when they are nominating movies or submitting movies to be nominated. So, holidays, summer months... October, November, usually a really great time for movies for those reasons. Other months, like January, February, September, usually the movies that come out are movies that have been sitting on a back burner for a long time that the studios are kind of cutting their losses with and they just need to get out. 
They're completed films that just need a cheap release date. So there's low confidence in the film. It was probably a very low budget, so they could only they couldn't afford one of the you know expensive release dates. <laughs> um, yeah, ISS is one of those movies. <laughs> so like, and you can kind of expect that going into a January movie if you see a movie like this that looks like it has an interesting plot, but you've never heard of anyone in it or anyone that made it. Yeah, odds are it's kind of uh, it's kind of a garbage dump of a movie. And I, I say that there are obviously really great movies that come out in January and February. I, I I believe Everything Everywhere All at Once came out in February. You know, last year Bo Was Afraid came out in February. So, like, there are great movies that come out during these times, and sometimes they're just movies that, you know, their studios don't believe it's going to appeal to a wide audience, so they just, they pick a cheap release date, uh, but, but also sometimes they're just movies that, uh, studios have already completed that they just need to get rid of, and hopefully they can bring in some kind of profit, and yeah, ISS doesn't love physics, and it doesn't love people making like actual choices that human beings would make and it doesn't love it doesn't love plot points that make sense so anyway it's it's a really it's a pretty messy sometimes hard to watch movie but like i'm sure it's going to have a cult following like it it's such an interesting idea that there is going to be a group of people that adores this movie. So, maybe that's you. I don't know. It wasn't me. But, yeah. Alright, last movie I'll talk about uh, is Mean Girls, the new musical version of Mean Girls. I, I'm i going to disagree with uh, absolutely everyone here and say that uh, it was marketed as a musical. It was it was pretty clear and obvious to me that it was a musical, and I think it's on people for not doing their <laughs> homework before going to see a movie if they didn't know there was going to be singing. Like, there's literally dancing and choreography and sing. The first teaser trailer that ever came out literally opens up on Renee Rapp singing. So, like... And then a bunch of people dancing in the hallways and confetti and set pieces and everything. Like, if you can't tell from the trailer, like, that's on you. At that point, that's on you. I feel the same way about Wonka. People said Wonka wasn't uh, marketed as a musical. And and yet there were literally dance numbers in the trailer. So I'm confused. In my head, they just don't want to release the songs in the trailer and spoil the songs. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because I didn't like Mean Girls anyway. Uh, I love the original movie. I love this the the Broadway show. I did not love this movie. I it's hard when you can see that there's amazing camp in there like somewhere, and that they're just not tapping into it. But what was most frustrating for me was just gosh, the arrangements of the songs are just, it's so bad, guys. It's, it's, it sucks all the energy out. It's not fun anymore. It, it made, it, they made Katie 
boring somehow. I don't, I just wish they wouldn't have touched it. I don't know. Either don't touch it or like only change music if it elevates the characters or the story or, or whatever you're going for. It's very clear that the reason they changed the music was to appeal to a very specific kind of crowd in the audience. They wanted to get into that kind of TikTok feel of everything, and it doesn't elevate anything. It doesn't serve the story at all. All it does is drag down the energy, and it's just frustrating to listen. To the, the The most egregious example is Stupid with Love, uh, which is, if you ever listen to the Broadway soundtrack and the movie soundtrack next to each other, I I don't get what they were thinking. And it, it makes Andre Rice look bad, which breaks my heart because I love her. I loved her in the Nice Guys, Spider-Man movie. She's she's great. Now, all that said, there are some songs that are great. Pretty much all of Regina George's songs are... You, you can tell that's where all of the focus was. Uh, and uh, Awili is awesome. She's also great. Great casting. Uh, J. Quell Spivey is, is also great casting. He's really good. Even though they cut all of his songs from the movie, he's he's good. He's good. He's very funny. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Jimmy's Movie Club is recorded, edited, and produced by me, Jimmy Henderson. Don't forget to like and follow on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. You can find me on Letterboxd at Jimmy Henderson, that's J-I-M-M-Y-H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, or on Instagram at Jimmy Henderson Actor. If you enjoy the sultry sound of my voice, I have another podcast called Follow Spot that I host with my good friend, Ben Butters. See you next time.